Hello everyone and welcome to DR Talks. My name is Ruby Reyes and I will be your host for today. My co-host Danny Carrera took the day off today because he is working on his final projects for the semester. As you know, he attends the University of North Texas at Dallas and he will graduate this semester. So good luck to him on his projects. But don't worry, he will be with us next episode. For our first time listeners, the purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness of social issues going on in the world, ranging from media, community, education, urban development, to motivational conversations. If you're interested in any of those topics, we'll have all of that covered right here in DR Talks. Dignity is a fundamental principle of human rights, which means that all people, without discrimination, deserve to be respected because they're human beings. It doesn't matter what age you are or where are you from. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. All individuals deserve respect and have the same rights. But where do these rights come from? So let's start from the beginning. Let's start from child's rights. So child's rights are the Convention of the Rights of the Child, which is better known as the CRC. And to better understand the CRC, Here's a little history for you. In 1945, human rights were written down for the first time ever in a document called the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And what this document did is it caused governments from all over the world to realize that there was a need to give special rights to children. And so in 1989, the UN adopted the United Nations Convention of the Rights of the Child, better known as the CRC. And the way this convention functions is it guides all citizens on what human rights mean for children and what should be done so that children can enjoy these rights. So how do children enjoy these rights? Which, remember, are human rights, but for children. And what are the rights of the child? So clearly, children cannot provide food, water, security to themselves, and this is why families are allowed to ask for help to their governments, and it's also part of the reason why we have welfare programs in our states. So how does this tie back to social issues regarding welfare programs in the United States? Well, because welfare programs were created for human rights purposes, and more importantly, these laws have been constructed for benefit of children in the United States. So... I'm going to give you some examples of different ways in which welfare has been always a help in the United States, how there's have, there has been different organizations throughout time that have been aid to support these families and children. So I'm going to start by talking about the 1935 uh, Social Security Act. And this act was for dependent children, and it was, um, it was a federal welfare program that was made to provide support and provide short-term income for mothers who had no way to provide for their children. So that happened in 1935, and then according to Donaldson Gregg, the 1935 Social Security Act evolved into the 1962 Aid to Families with Dependent Children. 
So from 1935 to 1962, we had the Social Security Act of, of 1935, and then it evolved into the aid to families with dependent children in 1962. The purpose of this organization, the Social Security Act that turned into the AIDS for Family with Dependent Children, was to guarantee cash assistance to families with needy children. But in order for families to receive aid from these programs, they had to meet the qualifications that these programs were asking. So, for example, in the 1935 Social Security Act, in order for families to benefit from the Social Security Act of 1935, mothers had to be deserving. This program required mothers to be moral morality confirmation, to have a morality confirmation according to the ideals of the time. So in 1962, the Social Security Act evolved into the aid to families with dependent children. And the purpose of this organization was to guarantee cash assistance to families with needy children. But in order for these families to receive aid from these programs, they had to meet certain qualifications that these programs required. So, for example, uh, in order for families to benefit from the Social Security Act of 1935, mothers had to be deserving, which is, which this program saw deserving as a morality confirmation according to, to the ideals of the time. So, can you imagine the ideals of morality for women during this time. I mean, this is a this is the era of the Great Depression, first of all. And one of the qualifications was morality. I find that a very unusual and irrelevant qualification because what does a mother's morality have to do with, with the right of the child with the rights of the child? I mean, I would even argue that even if she were doing something like unmoral and was able to feed and provide for her children, she would be meeting the CRC requirements. So what does morality have anything to do with being able to to have aid provided by the federal government to support your family and feed your children? You know, so obviously we we live in 2019 today, but even so, I mean, you're still, like if you did something on moral, but you're feeding your, your children, then you're still doing your part as a parent and you're meeting the child's rights, the commission of the child's rights. So, I mean, that was a, a very different way and different approach, but it was, it was one of the requirements that women needed in order to receive this kind of help from, from the federal government in order to qualify for the needs of her family. So moving on to the qualifications of the 1962, which is the aid to families with dependent children. So this, um, this welfare program was for families to receive cash. The qualifications was for this program was for both parents to have no source of income and have three children in order to receive a total of $366 per month. And so that was going on from 1962 up until 1996 because in 1996 we have now a an, another involvement of this Family Act and now 
this one was passed by Bill Clinton. He signed the Act of 1996. And the Act of 1996 was a new and modern way to help families in welfare. Because uh, from 1962 to 1996, obviously government and all society realized that we were having a welfare problem in the United States. And so a way to address it, which was through providing aid that's provided by the federal government, a way to provide it was to make different arrangements to the acts that had been previously passed, but were originally all for the benefits of the children for human rights. And so we, in 1996, Bill Clinton passed the new Welfare Act, which was the the Act of 1996, and this was the, the welfare help for needy families, and it no longer had the morality of mothers as a requirement for aid. And so once again, the welfare program evolved, and this time the government was focused on helping parents find jobs rather than just handing out cash or aid to only those who met the morality expectations. And now they're looking into the bigger picture which is a bigger problem that we have still today, and that's welfare. So under the 1996 Act's largest program is the... And so uh, these, these acts and welfare programs are funded by the federal government and distributed into all the states, and the states are actually allowed to choose how they distribute and go about the qualifications of the welfare programs in their state. So, for example, in order to qualify for an organization that's welfare, that's a welfare program in Massachusetts or Texas or Washington, even though it's it's going to come from the under, it's going to be under the 1996 Acts program. The Act of 1996, it's not going to be the same qualifications in Texas as it would in Massachusetts or in Colorado or in Florida. They each have this fund provided to them and maybe some of the same organizations even, but it varies from state to state, which leaves the state to decide how they will distribute it and what qualifications they're going to they're going to require for their residents to to have in order to qualify for for programs and organizations that are for welfare. So I'm going to focus on the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, better known as TAMF. And I'm going to focus on this one because this is this is one of the largest programs under under the 1996 Act. And I will talk about how this this program is functioning and I will also talk about how it contradicts what it what its purpose is which is to help children. So the temporary assistance for needy families programs or TAMF for short we'll just call it TAMF is um is a program that has four stated purposes for which its funding can be used. So the number one is to provide assistance to needy families, of course. 
Number two, it's to end dependence of needy parents by promoting job preparation, work, and marriage. Number three is to prevent and reduce out-of-wetlog pregnancies. And number four is to encourage the formation and maintenance of two-parent families. So these, these four purposes are used to determine how spending is allowed under the statute. According to Donaldson Gregg, an article 3 of the Child's Convention rights requires that the best interest of the child be considered in legislation. And unsupervised children is not acceptable. So research consistently shows that importance of child care to the development of children for physical, mental, and social stabilities, since it is in children's best interest to have child care by not guaranteeing child care or supervision to young children when their parents go to work, they are denied the right to development which the Children's Convention protects. The need for child care is increasingly important, given that the amount of work hours required for a single parent is 30 hours. This is far too long for a child to be alone. Now, this article is not talking about a child being alone as in alone, but what it means is away from his or her parents, the child's parents, because in order to qualify for TAMF, you have to, you have to, and of course it varies from state to states, but states can choose the amount of, of monthly funds given to families. And in some cases, the amount is as low as under $200 a month for a family of three. And that's including utilities and everything. That's $200 a month for all of that. Uh, another qualification for TAMF is there is a limitation of the term of the time during which states can provide cash assistance and the limit is 60 months and then you know these limits are for families with both parents and kids receiving benefits then the third requirement is the temporary assistance for needy families or TAMF program bars the use of federal funds for persons who who come to the United States fewer than five years ago. Besides the restrictions, the, tempor- the Temporary Assistance of Needy Families program has at the federal level to control what the states can do with basic assistance when providing it to families. The legislation creates incentives. On top of the restrictions conducted by each state, the Temporary Assistance of Needy Families program has at the federal level to control what those states can do with basic assistance when providing it to families, the legislation creates different initiatives that block some people from these benefits. And so the federal government does its job by distributing funds to each state for welfare initiatives. And then at that point, the state has the right to distribute and make the qualifications for their state as they see fit in their residence. But the issue with this is that it's affecting people and it's not helping welfare. So, for example, a family who has qualified for TAMF, we know that it's they already qualified and they automatically have three children in that household. One or both parents are working because in order for you to receive TAMF, you have to be you have to have a job and they're all US citizens. And 
So now this family who is able to receive this extra cash, maybe this family is on, on SNAP, which is a Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And because now there's an extra $200 worth of income into their household, maybe they no longer qualify for, for SNAP or food stamps. And so this creates a problem because maybe those $200 were going to help a family get out of welfare because maybe those $200 were going to be used for something that can be provided to their children and can be of great assistance. And these families who had who didn't have $200 to, to spend on something other than their absolute necessities were now going to be able to do it. But because now they have to report that there's an extra $200 coming into their house, then they they lose the food stamps and so then they're it's not really a help because if they lost the food stamps now they're going to have to use those extra $200 which had another purpose in their mind to for food because they have to eat and another issue with this is that essentially the these programs are they were always designed for welfare and they are helping, the majority of, of these programs are helping a lot of people, but they're not necessarily getting rid of welfare. And it's because of all the restrictions that, that these programs have. For starters, the, the qualifications may not all the time be, be the best for, for people who really need the help. So for example, people who are qualifying for TAMF, they have to have a job, and if they don't have a job, they have to get a job. But then what if, what if this person who is trying to receive TAMF gets a job in order for them to, to give an extra $200 to that person? And, you know, now she leaves her kid. And there's other people who go and they just simply cannot get a job because... They don't have access to childcare. So they can't get a job. So then they automatically are unqualified to receive TAMP. And another issue with that is, like, let's say both parents or one parent is able to receive a job and qualifies for TAMP. But then under the CRC, a person working all those long hours are are not going to to be able to be with with their child because there is um there are there is child care resources out there provided by states also that are that are government funded child care is in in a lot of states um funded but though those kinds of qualifications also require certain times and different qualifications in order for parents to to be able to qualify for child care. So, for example, in Texas, in order for a person to qualify for child care, that person has to have his or her child at daycare for at least 30% of the time. And so child care programs require the child to be there 30% of the time, NAFT requires a parent to get a job and SNAP requires 
you to to be at the poverty level in order for you to get food stamps so how do these families qualify for all of these things and manage to benefit from all of these welfare programs it's just simply not happening maybe they qualify for one or two programs but then they don't qualify for food stamps so let's say yeah they qualify for for tamp which is only two hundred dollars a month and then uh they don't they qualify for child care because yeah that that child is going to be there pretty percent of the time since mom or dad are not working they have a job but then they don't qualify for food stamps so then it's not an extra $200 really because now you're going to spend those $200 on food and also something important here is that it contradicts and it violates the CRC and how does how does it violate the CRC well according to article 3 and this is by Donaldson Gregg, according to Article 3 of the Child's Convention, requires that the best interest of the child be considered in legislation and unsupervised children is not acceptable. So, under the CRC, human rights, the the parent is, is supposed to be there for, for their child, and unsupervised doesn't necessarily always mean unsupervised as in like there's no one watching the child but unsupervision coming from the family because there has to be that emotional support that comes with crc and so the problem with the temp is that it is it violates the provisions of the children's convention of the rights of the child because it creates a lot of absence between parents and children and then in this way it allows it causes them to have less time less quality time spent together so the problem with TAMF is that the in conclusion these organizations are not necessarily reducing welfare if anything, they're just adding to the reasons why welfare still exists. Taking organizations like SNAP and TAMF and all its requirements and regulations that it has is making society stay in the welfare percentages. When the federal government passed the Welfare Act, its goal was to help children by getting their parents into jobs and providing short-term assistance until their parents made livable wages. However, by meeting the requirements for TAMF qualifications, not only are they losing time with their child, but they are also losing other benefits. In result, this is not necessarily solving the welfare issue, and it's violating the CRC.